hello hello so today is may 19th i think it is may 19th tuesday may 19th 11:09 p.m so we are start a.m facts it is definitely 11:09 a.m we are starting a podcast better than we did last week right and we could have started it before 11 there were just some little minor things we wanted to work on and change so that kind of pushed it because whenever you do something new I'm looking over here. Whenever you do something new, um, there's always going to be a learning curve to it. So we decided, like, trying to take the pictures of the podcast before the podcast actually starts as opposed to in the middle of the podcast. I feel like that's going to make the actual thumbnails look better. So that's what we want to do. Um, and so Melissa's laughing. I don't know. Is there some more slander on there? Yes. Where? Oh, yeah. Well, (laughs) so today's podcast is going to be about uh, why I talk about people on the podcast uh, as I do, Um, why I feel like I talk more on the podcast, toxic relationships, talking about money as far as the economy is right now and this whole Jeff Bezos thing because people really annoy me with that. Like, and it's really just the people it it can only be the, the uninformed. I've been trying to stop calling people dumb. Because I don't think people are dumb. I think people do dumb things a lot of the time. So maybe if you do it more than 50% of the time, that makes you dumb. I don't know. But a lot of dumb people say this thing about Jeff Bezos, right? So I got that on there. And then I uh, also want to talk about a little bit more about the white-black thing. Because that's something that's kind of been sitting on my heart. So I'm going to bring that up. So first things first, right? My sister has a boyfriend right oh, <laughs> my sister has a boyfriend right now i'm not a fan of her boyfriend right and i've expressed this to her me and him have gotten into little things before um i don't know what it is that causes these things but i just know it annoys me she likes him and i love my sister so that you know i'm just gonna put up with it and deal with it because that's her and i'm, I'm gonna try and be as um I don't want to say cordial. I'm going to try to be respectful to her as possible because, like I said, that's my sister. So, here's an example of why I'm not a fan of this person, right? So, we all know the coronavirus thing is happening, right? And we have a situation where fear uh, removes people's intellectual ability, right? That's what I'm going to put it like that. Because everybody has heard the news on the television, people have been on social media, and everybody's afraid of the coronavirus. Everybody's, oh my God, the world is going to end. It's so dangerous. Everybody's going to die. It's 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 one of the it's, it's going to kill all the people, right? That's everybody's thinking, right? Nobody that thinks that has actually gone and looked up any data or read any actual reports or even looked into the coronavirus if you have only got your information from the television if you let me put it this way it's even better this is this is an even better way to put it so let y'all know i'm working on my enunciation i realized that my t's be fucking me up my t's and my a's i be saying i will i say a i say uh instead of a so i'm working on that right 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 okay so if you 
know anything about the coronavirus and you have not gone to do your own independent research, you know nothing about the coronavirus. That's how that works. Because that means that you have only heard of the coronavirus by something that somebody else has posted. You have not gone to look up to see whether or not that is true. You just take it at face value and go, okay, that is how it works, right? And if there's if an agenda is being pushed, you're gonna believe the agenda because everybody is saying the same things. All of, not everybody, all of the same major platforms are saying the same things. But if you go and do your own research, you'll see that a lot of these things are actually incorrect. So the death, the, the death toll that everybody thought was going to be astronomical is not. Um, the, the, I guess the only thing that's really become a problem from the coronavirus is how everybody's reacting to it. The whole accounting being shut down, everybody's kind of, you know, in a frenzy over that because they can't make money and that is not a that is not a direct correlation of the coronavirus that is people reacting to what they believe the coronavirus is and that is causing a lot of the problems that we have now um and i used to kind of think uh, it's fun to me to have conspiracy theories because they it's just fun to think about oh what could be happening here what could be happening there also uh i actually heard this recently on a podcast that that conspiracy theories was actually a term made up to debunk people that are saying things that contradict what the government is telling you. So they, I think the CIA came up with the term conspiracy theories. If you look up the word conspiracy, it's supposed to be, a de the definition is supposed to be a group of people coming together on something, right? That's literally what conspiracy means. But it's become a, it's become synonymous and a buzzword for you're crazy or some ridiculous possible explanation for what's happening, right? And so it's fun to have conspiracy theories, you know, or what they suppose, what they're used as now. It's a fun thing to talk about. But uh, one thing I've realized as the more I do conspiracy, look into conspiracy theories is that it's probably not as, as exciting as I want it to be, and the majority of people are just dumb. That's really all it comes down to. So a lot of people are just dumb, and then when you have dumb people trying to take advantage of smart, of not smart people, of other dumb people, or smart people taking advantage of dumb people, or rich taking advantage of poor, then you have situations like the coronavirus where somebody will then try and use this crisis as a way, as a way of leverage for them to do or push an agenda that they have, right? So... Uh, in layman's terms, what that means is somebody who runs a news organization may want to get more clicks because it's the same thing as you on Instagram. You want to get more likes, CNBC wants to get more viewers. And MSNBC and Fox and T and they all want to get more people to watch their show. So the same thing that you see on YouTube with the clickbait thumbnails and titles and everything like that is the same thing that happens for them because they get paid from ad revenue. The same way like you do on YouTube, on Instagram, on Facebook, they get paid the same exact way. So it would it would behoove them to go out and try and say the most salacious things to get more people to actually watch their videos. Now Truthful things aren't usually salacious because it's the truth. It's like, this is what happened. Now, there may be times where something salacious happens, where something crazy, like, oh my goodness, that was wild. But for the most part, it's pretty boring, especially if you're trying to be an adult when reporting on the news. It's not as fun to watch. It's just, it's not entertaining, right? However, the news is not supposed to be a place of entertainment. It's supposed to be a place of information. And, but information doesn't, as you probably already know, nobody watches the Discovery Channel. Not nobody, but the majority of people do not tune in to watch the Discovery Channel. You'll watch Love and Hip Hop. You'll watch this reality TV show. You'll watch a lot of things that don't give you actual information. They just let you sit there and pacify you so that you don't actually have to go out 
and do anything. You can just sit in your house and relax, right? That's what the news is doing right now. And they're fear-mongering. Why? Because when people are afraid, they want to sit and find information to, to, to conquer that fear. So, again, that's what they'll use to get more clicks. So, like I said earlier, it kind of it's kind of boring to me or not as fun when I realize this and I start to hear more things come out about how this person just happened to fuck up, that person just fucked up, everybody's just fucking up, and that's just every if everybody in charge fucks up, we're gonna have a a very a large issue among the people who are not in charge. We're all gonna have to deal with their fuck up because they're in charge of everything that we have to do, whether it be the rules about going to the beach, uh, eating food going to play basketball, if they're the ones making the rules and they're not doing their research, they're only getting research, they're only looking into what the news says and they're not actually going out and doing what they have to do to find out what's going on, they're going to make decisions based off of the same information that we have. But they make decisions. We don't make decisions. We just sit in the house or go outside and that's it. But they decide, okay, you're going to jail for not wearing a mask and you guys can't play basketball and you guys can't open your business and it's different for me to think that it's a crazy coronavirus thing going on a regular citizen to think that but if you're in charge it's a lot more uh important on whether or not you think that because you can close somebody's business and you closing multiple businesses means that a lot of people don't actually eat a lot of people don't actually get to go to work they can't you know feed their kids they can't save whatever they want to do a lot of things they can't do because somebody who didn't put any actual research to find out what's going on is making decisions so that's kind of why it's like it kind of i have fun conspiracy theories about oh this person is trying to make money and the aliens are coming and you know the towers and all the other stuff it's fun to think about it but it's like although some of it may be true even if it is true it probably isn't as diabolical as we all think it is um excuse me so let me take a cup of water because that was just the uh, intro to what i'm about to say and why uh my sister's boyfriend is fucking annoying All right, so fear-mongering, right? He's a person that has fallen for the trap of being afraid of everything, right? Um, now, a week or two ago, right, my, who is it, my mom? Oh, my, my mom had called me and told me that my sister's boyfriend said that he doesn't want her, my mother, to come over to my sister's house. And if he does come over to my sister's house, he does not want my mom to come over to my sister's house because my mom goes outside. And he doesn't want to have the coronavirus in the house so that he might end up catching it and bring it back to his family, his parents who are actually older, and then they might actually catch it and die, right? So he was pretty much making my sister choose between my mom and him, right? I think that that's a very toxic thing to do. I don't think you ever have to make somebody make that choice, um, especially in a situation where you have not done the actual research. I feel like if he had done the research and come up to that conclusion, then sure. But there's no way you can have that conclusion if you've done the research. It doesn't. It, the research won't lead you to that conclusion. So, um, so he did that, right? Now I, that was annoyed. That annoyed me because I know how close my sister and my mom are. They're like best friends. Like they talk on the phone all the time, they hang out all the time, they do things together, they, they're just close, right? Um, so it, that's something that didn't really sit right with me like a lot, like I, that, that really bothered me. So then 
I find out. Uh, oh, so right. So he said he's not going to come over because my mom be outside walking around. With a, even though she wears a mask and gloves, he's like, no, nah, I don't want to. I, I feel like she might give it to me. And I don't think she should come. I don't think she should come to the house anymore, to my sister's house that he don't even live in. It's, his, it's her house. And he's talking about where he feels like her mother should go. Right. So there's that. I couldn't find out a day or two ago, I think maybe yesterday, right, that my sister wanted him to get tested for the coronavirus to see if he has the coronavirus, right? Because maybe he's asympt- maybe he is asymptomatic and he doesn't know that he had the coronavirus, right? So I'm like, all right, cool. Why did I find out that he had the cor- he had the coronavirus, right? He was talking all this shit. About the coronavirus. Oh, it's so dangerous. I don't want your mom coming over here. I might give it to my family. They might die. And let me, I forgot this. I forgot this very, very crucial part, very crucial part of the story, right? So you would think, oh my God, this guy, he must be a terrified person. Like he, he has to like be in the house wearing gloves. And he don't want to, he, he loves his mom, right? Everybody's thinking that he loves his mom. He loves his dad. He loves his sister and all that good stuff, right? And I would be like, you know what? I might agree with you. If I did not know that he works at an institution that has him face to face in a face to face in a cubicle with people on a regular basis, right? Regular basis, face to face in a cubicle, small and small space. He's in there with them, breathing the same air, right? And then he has the unmitigated gall, the audacity, audacity, right, to come and tell my sister that her mom should have come over to her house that he don't even own. He don't even own the house. He don't have, they don't pay no bills. And he talk about some, you can't come, don't come to the house, right? Bruh, I'm getting annoyed. Cause I'm like, bruh, you don't have, who are you to say that? Who are you? You know, you can't say that, right? So he has a, he, he had the coronavirus, right? And now I'm sitting here laughing, right? I'm laughing my ass off, right? For multiple reasons. I'm, I got the text immediately bust out laughing, right? Now you're like, Donovan, you're so insensitive. Why would you just start laughing like that? That's so fucked up. How could you do that, right? And I'm still laughing. Because it's still funny, right? I'm going to tell you why it's funny to me, right? The reason why I had to laugh is because God has a funny way of showing people the truth, right? Now, he had the coronavirus about maybe two months ago or so, right? So that means that he has already been in the house with his family that he is so protective of getting the coronavirus he's walking around breathing the same air that they're getting not only that he is talking about he doesn't want my sister around my mom because she's outside getting it with even though he's at work catching the coronavirus bringing it home to his mom now there's two parts to why i think this is fucking hilarious right so not only is he outside not only did he catch the coronavirus and go in the same house for multiple weeks because my sister was away in the military so she he was only at the house he was staying at her house right so he's in the house with his parents, passing the coronavirus around probably, and he didn't go to the hospital, right? When he had the symptoms, he didn't go to the hospital. Uh, also, his parents probably got it, right? So he got it, didn't die, didn't have to go to the hospital. He with his parents. Now, is it possible that they, that they do not have the coronavirus? It is very possible that they do not have the coronavirus. Very possible is a very strong word. It is possible they have not caught the coronavirus in the span of time that he was in the house with the coronavirus, right? Unlikely though. So he got it, didn't give it to them. 
They may have gotten it and then already die. And then he decides he wants to come and talk this fear-mongering nonsense about why nobody should come around my sister because he might, they might get it and give it to him and he give it to his family even though he already has it. So now I will look at him and be like, so what do you say now? Huh? You, how do you feel now knowing that you are the one walking around with the coronavirus and you could have gave it to my sister and my mom, right? So you should have come to the house now. I feel like at that point, you should probably stay at your house because you might still have something. I don't know. Maybe it mutates. You get a new strain. Maybe all of a sudden you catch it again and now you're passing it around. Now, if my sister and my mom had said to him, well, we don't think you should come to the house no more. He'd probably be like, I don't think, I, I do, that's not right. I don't understand. They shouldn't, they shouldn't say that. Nah, I don't want to hear that. So that's, that's how I started it off today. That's, that's what it was on my chest from yesterday because it was so, I was so annoyed to even for him to even say that then for the 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 what is it the irony of it he, him to actually get it he had it already and this is the second point i was trying to say is this is how not dangerous the coronavirus is right so he had the coronavirus right uh my aunt had the no my dad's friend who i call my aunt had the coronavirus my uncle had the coronavirus melissa's mom had the coronavirus uh who else had it my uncle had the coronavirus uh, who else? Somebody else had it. Somebody else I could think of. My uncle, my aunt, my dad. Oh, my dad's girlfriend, my dad's friend, and uh, freaking this guy right now. Right, my dad's girlfriend's family who gave it to who gave it to her, gave it to my dad. Right now, this is why I be so annoyed. Right now, I've been battling with being annoyed about this because I understand that everybody's life is a product of their own decisions. Right. And I know that at the at you, as much as I want to blame it on other people, which I still think my dad was murdered by his girlfriend and my aunt and the doctors, mostly the, all three of them people, right? At the end of the day, he made the choice to go there, right? He did it. He could have said no. He could have fought it and been like, I'm not, I don't care. I'm not doing it. Not only did he go there, he allowed them to convince him to put him on a ventilator. There's nobody, nobody can make him go on a ventilator unless he doesn't want to. So at the end of the day, he made that choice. He made the wrong choice, but they had a play in it by pushing him to get on the ventilator, right? So I can't, I can't necessarily be too mad at them, but I can't say I'm not mad at them. It's hard for me to juggle between if I'm mad at them for murdering him or if I'm like, well, it was his decision to... It was his decision to make that choice. It was his, yeah, right. It was his choice to make that decision, right? Um, so, oh, excuse me. So, like I said, all these people got it. All these people. I'm gonna go through the list again. My, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go down the list of how it's the, the tree, the family tree of coronavirus right now. So we got at the top my dad's girlfriend's family. I don't know if one or two of them had it, but they gave it to her. So we got one. We got one person gave it to her. So that's two. The, the sister gave it to her, right? Then she gave it to my dad. That's three people right now. My dad gave it to his friend who lives in the house and his his uh, his brother, right? So we got one, two, and we got two people underneath. So that's four. So we got four, right? And then we got, uh, who was it? Those four people got it. So, right. That's one, two, three, four. Melissa's mom is not related to this tree, but that's a fifth person. And then you have uh, this guy who has it. That's six people, right? I'm pretty sure me and Melissa had it, but we didn't get tested for it. And I don't plan on getting tested for it for any antibodies or anything. Because for what? My sister asked me, my mom and my sister asked me this yesterday. 
would I get tested for the for the virus? And I'm like, no. For what? Like, why? What? Why would I need to put that mental stress on my brain to get tested for it if I either had it or didn't have it? I don't want to know. I don't care. I don't want to fucking know. I don't think it's that serious. I don't care. I'm not trying to find out if I had it or not. I don't care. I'm pretty sure I had it though, and I'm pretty sure because mine was pretty bad. That Melissa got something that was also similar. And funny enough, right around the time that she got it, I was joking about it because this was before anybody even said it was a thing. I'm like, you probably got the coronavirus. Like, that's around the time that it's happened. So that had to be like February ish, right? After February? It was definitely March. Okay, so yeah, oh yeah, so probably beginning of March, maybe. I don't know. So either way, it was it was around the time before it got to a, to be like a thing thing. I was like, oh, you can have that. It was like a, the coronavirus, like the boogeyman, right? That's how it was at that point. So now it was like the now it was like the coronavirus, like this a strong C there, right? And we all got it, possibly, right? Us two, not sure. They definitely got it. They all got tested and got it. One person died. One person died. He didn't die. He was murdered. One person was murdered out of all of these six people or eight people, right? My dad. You know why he they he was put in a position to be murdered? Because he went to the hospital. Now, people are probably going to say, Donovan, the hospital. People are being saved in the hospital, right? Oh, my God. How, how can you say? Are you telling us don't go to the hospital? Yes. That's, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying do not go to the hospital. Why? Because odd show, right? If you look at the numbers, look at them yourself. Go look at different sources of numbers, whether it be from hospitals, whether it be from news outlets. Take all of them together and make a decision based off of all the different resources or sources that give you information about what's going on, right? So if you go to the hospital, you have a, high, a higher chance of dying already if you're in the hospital based off of having the coronavirus. Why? My, my belief is, you're in a situation where multiple things are happening, right? You're around a lot of people that had the coronavirus, right? You are taken away from your family. So you're probably going to be in a depressive state. Now, we already know that if you're in stress, your cortisol levels your cortisol levels will increase. That can also be damaging to your body, right? From what I know, they put you in a room by yourself, right? Then they give you a bunch of drugs. Some drugs that will either, one, not interact properly with each other, or two, negatively affect your ability to fight off the virus that you have, right? So they do all these things together. And let's say you survived that. You probably would have survived it already if you was already at home, right? You would have been fine, but now they gave you all these drugs and now you think that the reason that I'm doing better is because I went to the hospital and they gave me a bunch of drugs. Probably not, that's probably not what's happening, right? Then let's say, let's say they give you all these drugs, you can't breathe, right? They go, oh my God, I need, I need a ventilator. I need a ventilator, right? Was it intubation? Intubation. I think that's what it's called. That's when they take this dirty ass pipe and they put it down your throat and then they put you to sleep. Well, some people actually a lot. I'm awake, but they put you to sleep, right? With this dirty bacteria-filled tube down your throat and then they try and pump air into your chest when you don't need that, right? Now the problem with that is it's a it's literally, in my opinion, the equivalent to a asthma pump. Just a super, super, super big, strong asthma pump, right? Now, asthma pump is steroids, right? So they are, uh, they are doing the work of your lungs for you, right? So they're manually increasing and decreasing either the pressure in your lungs or how your lungs get oxygen in, right? So what that does is it actually makes your body too weak to do it by itself. So the longer you are on a ventilator, the weaker it is or harder it is for you to breathe, right? 
Now, you would think, but wow, that can't be true, Donovan. How do you know that? You're not a doctor. Well, you know how I know that? Because I've seen doctors say it. There are multiple people that are saying this. There are doctors who were doing it before who are not doing it now. And if you've seen in the beginning, they started off doing it and they're like, wait a minute, this shit is not making any sense. It's not working. And then this num the numbers came out like, wait a minute, maybe nobody should be on a ventilator. Now, I'm listening to an interview recently. These numbers have to be fact-checked, so do this research yourself. I don't remember. It's just the numbers that I heard. That, uh, oh, you could check this real quick for me. Um, the amount, the, what are the percentage of deaths of people that go on a ventilator, right? I've heard 90% of people die. I've heard 80% of people die. I've heard 70% of people die. These are some of the numbers I've heard of the amount of people that die on a ventilator. Now, why would you take the chance of your life of something killing you at a 90% rate Forget 90%, because that's high as shit. 70% rate. And think about this. Like, I'm not even going to go 70% rate. If you got on a plane, right, or you if you went and drove a car, and the chances of you dying from that car ride or that plane ride was 50%, that means one out of every two planes that went in the air crashed, how often would you fly? Hmm? You probably wouldn't fly that much. I know I wouldn't fly that much. I'm not going to be flying. If I, know, if I could look out the window and go, that plane's going to crash. That plane's going to crash. That one's probably going to crash. Out of 10 planes, five of these are going to crash. Now, that's a 50% clip. Imagine looking out the window and going, probably every plane that's on this in the airport right now is probably going to crash. You will be hard-pressed to find the one that doesn't crash. That's how the numbers are looking right now for the, the ventilator nonsense, right? So, this is why I say people are getting murdered by the, the their loved ones because they're not doing their own research. In my situation, in my case, what happened, uh, my, my aunt, and his girlfriend and their family that actually convinced him to do that were the ones that that felt like you know this is how it should be. What does this say? Uh, Who the study? This is from Politifact. The study found that 38 ventilator patients recovered and were released, compared with 282 that died. Do you know what that percent says? 88 percent of people died this is what website is that so they can go check it themselves this is called politifact p-o-l-i-t-i-f-a-c-t can you do me a favor can you look this up on two different websites two other websites so that we don't have we have a little range of what the numbers are out there just i'm curious whether random websites come up about ventilator death um so that that's uh that and I forgot how I even got to that, but I'm, it just it's just annoying me about this. So, it pretty much I probably was talking about that. Hold on, the water break. Okay, so this is CNN. Uh. About a quarter of coronavirus patients who need a ventilator to help them breathe died within the first few weeks of treatment, right? This is a study of New York's largest health system showed. It found that overall about 20% of COVID-19 patients treated at Northwell Health died. 20%. And 25% of, wait, hold on. 20% of patients at the hospital died. And 25% of those 20%, no.
So that's a separate figure than the one. So I found out that 20% people died. That's, yeah, 20% people overall died. But 25% of the people that were on ventilators died. So one in four. So, oh, excuse me. But aren't they, wouldn't that be one in four of the ones that were, that died? Because they, the, the 20% that died, they all necessarily were on ventilators. Okay, so... One out of four people, right? So, like I said earlier, I gave you 90, 80, and 70%. Those are numbers that I gave you. Before that, there was an article that had 88%, right? This is a new article, which is, this is fine. This is what, and mind you, I'm not even doing intensive research. This is not intensive research that I would be doing. This is just go take three Googles real quick and find out what, what else could, look for alternative information to what's actually happening. And they said that 25% of those placed on ventilators died, right? Um, now... Uh, this, this same article says other smaller reports have indicated that patients who need ventilation are unlikely to, to survive. Can you scroll down a little bit? Uh, huh. This is the study published in a journal of the American Medical Association describes the outlook for patients who severe with severe COVID-19 disease. The report originally said that 12% of patients needed ventilators, right? So a hundred out of a hundred people, twelve needed a ventilator, right? Out of that twelve, ten died. It's eighty-eight percent. I don't know what my math is. It's about it's about eighty about about ten, right? Out of twelve, I'm, I'm, maybe ten and a half. Yeah, ten and a half. So somebody half died, right? So <laughs> that's what you got for that. Can you do one more? Just a random search for another one. This is gonna do. We're gonna do three. Just to do three, this takes about ten minutes easy. Ten minutes easy for you to talk to your friends when they say something stupid to you like. Yo, ventilators are really helpful, man. Go to the hospital. You can say, yeah, I, I didn't do a lot of research, but I did see, like, yesterday. Like, how would you explain that, like, these articles are saying that 90% of people are dying or 70% of people are dying? Like, how is that? A th like, how is that happening? All right. So, uh, let's see. What's mechanical? Which article? I feel like that's the same number. Is, uh... Doing the same. That's what I'm saying. It can, you can check it though. Where's what source is this? Can you scroll? Uh, it would say it. That's like wait. Go back up. Go back up to the top. To wherever that was that you were at. Uh, okay, go, uh, go back to the top. Health day news. All just I don't know. If that's the last one that we just saw too. Okay, scroll down. I'm gonna read this number and just do one more after this. That's like. I'm trying to find something a little bit different. Overall death. I'm going to read that. Among the 2,634 patients for whom outcomes were known, the overall death rate was 21%. But it rose to 88% for those who received mechanical ventilation. Oh, this is see the Northwell Health COVID. It's the same thing as before. All right. So we're going to try to find something else for you guys. Some other, some other source. I remember back in the... Put a put in put a put a put a specific state. Yeah. Because right now this is all I, I get about New York. Cause we're in New York. Yeah, because I seen the, uh, the interview I watched the other day. They were saying that one dude said ninety, and other guy said uh, seventy, and they said that it's probably eighty. Be no, one dude has said it's uh, it's eighty percent, and he said, well, it depends where you go in Nevada or Las Vegas, something like that. He said ninety percent at that hospital that he works at. So. 
Um, yeah, it seems the same thing. Okay. This one is in favor of ventilation of ventilations. When when was this posted? This is May 15th. Okay. So can you call scroll? It's NPR. Uh COVID-19 has given ventilators an un Okay, here we go. COVID-19 has given ventilators an undeservedly bad reputation, says Dr. Colin Cook, an associate professor of medicine in the Division of Pulmonary and Critical Care at the University of Michigan. Uh it's always hold on. I'm going to get to that. It's always disheartening. This is a quote from her. I think it's a guy or a girl. I don't know. I feel like it might. I don't know. It's always disheartening to know that some people are out there saying if you end up on a ventilator, it's a death sentence like Donovan. Donovan is saying that, which is not what we are experiencing. And I don't think it's what the data. I don't think it's what the data are showing. I don't know why they said R. She said R. That's weird. Early reports from China, the UK and Seattle found mortality rates as high as 90 percent among patients on ventilators and more recently a study of some new york hospitals seemed to show a mortality rate of 88 percent but cook and others say the new york figures was misleading because the analysts included only patients who had either died or been discharged what so folks who were actually in the midst of fighting the illness were not being included in, in the statistic of patients who were still alive he says those patients made up half those patients made up more than half of all people in the study and Cook suspects that many of them will survive. We think the mortality for folks that end up on ventilators. I'm making a face for people that, that can't that can't hear or see me because she's she's pro ventilator or he is pro ventilator, right? And then I read this this paragraph and I'm just like, okay. We think that mortality for folks that end up on ventilator with COVID nineteen. Is going to end up being somewhere between probably 25% and up to maybe 50%. So she's saying that at its worst, no, at the at the best it could possibly be, one out of four people are gonna die. And this person is saying at the worst, 50%. So at the best chance you have is one out of four. One out of four. Hmm. That's about the same chance of catching herpes. So if you don't care about herpes, get a ventilator. It's one in four people can get it. If you ever had her, if you never had herpes before, here's how you go. If you have never had herpes before, I would suggest. Hmm, interesting. Because herpes is kind of like the COVID, the COVID nineteen. You might have, you might be asymptomatic for herpes, so you don't know if you have it, and you might have it. But if you find out you have it, I would suggest probably not being the person that uh, goes on a ventilator because clearly you have bad luck. Actually, better, better enough. If you do have herpes, I would suggest to go on a ventilator because you already got bad luck catching herpes. So what are the odds you're going to get herpes and die on a ventilator? It's probably low. But if you don't have herpes, I would probably say go on a ventilator because you probably maybe you're lucky. Maybe you're one of the lucky ones from not getting herpes. And wait, if you don't have herpes, you're going to die on a ventilator. Yeah. So if you don't have herpes, don't go on a ventilator. Don't do that. If you don't have herpes, don't go on a ventilator. Remember that. If you have herpes, take your chances. You already got herpes. It's a, it's, a, it's a tough world out there with herpes. All right, so you go back to the to the thing. One out of four people have herpes. I mean, honestly, the number probably went up by this point. But herpes is very similar to coronavirus. All right, so you can be asymptomatic, not know you have it until you get a flare up or some shit. So, all right. So one of the things about me, right, is that I will talk about people on the podcast, right, and there's a reason why I would do that. 
And the reason why I'll talk about people on the podcast is because how can I put this? It it's I want to say circumvents. It it removes one of the the hurdles of telling somebody about themselves, right? So an an example of that would be this. If I go and tell somebody, hey, I don't like your shirt, right? They're going to instantly be defensive of what I'm saying, right? And as soon as I open up my mouth and say, hey, uh, Charles, I'm not a fan of your red shirt. They, oh, well, fuck, you lost your fucking blue shirt that you wear. That shit's fucking ugly, right? They're not hearing what I'm saying. They automatically get into defensive mode and they want to fight back, right? They go, I don't, I, if I could defend myself, that means that I'm right. And it's like, no, even if you do insult me, it made me feel bad. That still does not mean that your shirt is not ugly, right? It does not mean that you are not doing things that you can improve on or work on, right? And this is why I say on the podcast, when I say it to somebody's face, they want to be defensive or they shut down. We can't actually have that dialogue. So when I say on a podcast, and this is, I'm going to tell you the other part of this too, the underlying, one of the underbellies or the underwritings of why I do on the podcast, but they'll be more defensive or they'll shut down when I have this conversation with them. So... When I do on a podcast, it allows them to sit down and just listen to what I'm saying. Because if you're sitting down and listening to what I'm saying, you're more likely to listen and go, you may get mad, but you're going to do. But you, you, you're going to fight the television. You're going to yell at me on the screen. I can't hear you. There's no feedback that you're going to get from you screaming at me on the TV or you cursing me on the TV or feeling upset. And you're not going to get that feedback. So the only thing you have left to do is to A, uh, listen to it, B, um, turn it off or C, try to call me to justify what I said on the podcast. It's the only three options you have because at the end of the day, you want to defend yourself. And it's not about defending yourself. It's about going, it's about assessing is what is being said true? If it is true, should I fix it? And if it's not true, then is it, why is this person saying this thing, right? Once you've assessed it, then you can try and figure out, okay, what, how should I respond to this, right? But if you don't assess it and you just do option B and turn it off, it's going to sit with you. It's, it's, gonna, it's not going away because it's, if it's true, it's going to sit in your brain forever and it's not going to go anywhere because at the end of the day, you can't run from your thoughts. No matter what you do, you can smoke, you can drink, you can have sex, you can uh, work out, you can try and, and, and put a bunch of things in front of your way to forget you or to, I guess, what's the word I'm looking for? You can put a bunch of things to distract you from your actual thoughts but at the end of the day when you're laying in your bed and nobody else is around but you and the lights are off your thoughts are not going anywhere and even if you decide that you want to try and distract yourself from your thoughts the minute that you're outside let's say you're running or playing basketball when you sit down you're going to have that thought when you're walking and somebody wears something that reminds you of that thought that thought's going to come back to you you're never going to escape that thought and it's going to be a long depression that you have until you fix that thought, right? And people feel like, well, if I can fight the person or uh, metaphorically kill that person, then that will help me get rid of the thought. And that does not help you get rid of the thought, right? All it does is, this is, and this is why people in gangs, when they kill people, they don't feel better after doing it. Because it's like their problem that they had emotionally did not go away. It's like, I just got rid of, I got rid of, honestly, it's probably the worst thing you can do because now that you've actually killed the person, either metaphorically or literally, 
there's no way for you to reconcile with the problem that you have, which is why I'm also against plastic surgery and things like that, because it comes from a depressive state you're, or, or a depressive emotional state. So you're trying to hide from your emotion. Maybe you feel like you have a little butt, but it's not about having a little butt. It's like you don't actually love yourself. You feel like, okay, I need to get a fake butt so that people will, will validate me and make me feel good. And then you get the fake butt and every day you look in the mirror, you have to tell yourself and look. And I know this happens. You think to yourself, damn, my butt is fake. And you'll try to ignore it and be like, well, I mean, it is fake, but I'm still a bad bitch. Or, you know, you have this weave on and you go, yeah, I know it's, you know, those days, I'm pretty sure. I don't know what happens to women. I'm assuming you take off your weave, you look in the mirror, you go, damn, I look mad different. Like, fuck it though. I, I'm a bad bitch. I don't care. Right. It's like, all right, fine. Sure. But at the end of the day, you're not hiding from those things. And they're always going to do that insecurity that you have will seep into the rest of your life. So that's why I talk about it on the podcast, right? Now, the the other underwriting of why I talk about things on the podcast, and I, here's the thing too. I'll say my problem that I have with somebody to them. And that's why I know that when I say it to them, it doesn't work. It's still on. That's, I, I know this because when I talk to them, they, they want to be defensive. And I realize that, okay, what I'm saying is not getting through. So me continuing to do that is not going to solve the problem, right? So um, that's why I, I'll take if they, if they want to talk to me about it, I'll talk to them about it. But I'm not, I don't want to get into a fighting match about it because I'm like, listen, this is what I think. Do you think this too? No, you disagree. Why, why do you disagree? And why did you do the thing that I said on the podcast that you did, right? So, the underwriting of the reason as to why I talk about it on the podcast is because it comes down to the power dynamic, right? So, if I talk about some, if I talk about somebody on the podcast, right, in a negative light, then they will feel like I have power over them, right? They'll feel like, oh my god, I need to get my power back, right? Oh my, I can't believe that. This person said this thing about me. If I can defeat them, I can get the power back, right? And they can't, you can't defeat me through the screen, right? It's, it's not, it can't happen. So you have, like I say, this, this is why I gave you option C is where you have to call me, right? Because you have to feel like you got your power back by making me feel like I'm powerless, right? And I understand that when somebody i understand that power is not static right and static means it doesn't move it, it doesn't stay with one person or stay with the other person i understand it goes back and forth depending on what situation you're in so i may be uh playing basketball at my regular park and i may be powerful in the park because everybody picks me up on the team i'm the best player in the park Everybody wants all the girls want to talk to me. I'm that powerful person in that park, right? But if I go to a different park, I'm not that same person. I might not be the best person at that new park. The people may not know me at that new park. So I don't have the power in that park. The problem is that people think that they carry that everywhere they go. They carry that, well, if I was powerful over here, I should be powerful over there too. And that's when you have these, these problems, right? Now, me personally, I like to stay more so in the middle. Like if I go somewhere and I'm the and relating this to basketball in this situation. If I go somewhere and I'm the best player in the park, I'm the best player in the park. Now, I will talk shit if I'm the best player in the park, but I will not talk shit if I'm not like how can I put that? Like hmm. 
I'm not going to go to a place that I don't know and act out of character around people I don't know. I think that's the best way to probably put it. So when I talk about somebody on the podcast, right, this is, and this is why I say it's the underwriting of the other stuff because those other things are what you can say to somebody publicly as far as option A, B, and C, and they can go, oh, okay, I get it. But when you use the word power and talk about it like that, people go, people don't understand the dynamics of how power works. And that is why somebody will want to have to call me or they have to sit there and listen to it. And I think that it's a lot easier for them to um, hear it on the podcast because they feel the, the way that they feel like that the way that they feel like they're getting information is in a sense a form of power over me right or a form of, a form of power because they feel like they are able to eavesdrop on a conversation that they're not in so it's almost as and it's it's a very it's kind of complicated if you can follow it i you know i'll maybe I'll explain it later but if you were walking past a room and somebody was talking about you in that room you have a sense of power because you were able to hear what they were saying about you and it may resonate with you more because you feel like you had power to hear that conversation without that person knowing you heard the conversation right and that's how the podcast works I don't know who hears the podcast. I don't know who listens to the podcast. But they will be more inclined to to internalize what I'm saying because they got the information from from somebody else. Somebody else would be YouTube, uh, Spotify, Google Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, Deezer, and Apple Music. Those are other people, other sources that you might hear it from, right? So if you hear from other, if you hear from all of these other sources, then you may feel like, oh snap, I got the drop on this person, like. I was able to find out what they said about me before they told me. All right. But it's like, no, you heard it from me through that. and But it still sits with your body the same. So you'll internalize it more. And that is why I feel like it's better talking for me to talk to people about the pop. That, that is why I feel like it is better for me to talk about people on the podcast as opposed to them. At least originally at first, because they can come and talk to me later about it, you know, as a, as an adult. And I feel like they'll actually be able to understand what I'm saying more. So, um, another thing on the podcast that I like to do is talk about myself, right? Um, I, I like to talk more about my life on the podcast as opposed to in person. If anybody, anybody who knows me will know that I don't really hold anything back. If we're having a conversation, I'll, I will, I'll say what kind of sex toys I buy or, I'll say that when I was younger, this crazy thing happened to me or, you know, I'll talk about my life. I don't really care. Right. But I do that with the understanding of knowing that other people who are listening to me or talking to me are not going to say those things, even though they feel the same things that I'm saying. Right. So I don't actually get to have a legit dialogue between me and the other person. It's just me talking and them listening because they want to say what I'm saying, but they still feel like maybe they'll get judged for saying what they think. So when I come on here, it allows me to actually get all of my thoughts out without having to worry about having a short form conversation with somebody. Because if I'm in the park, if I'm on the street, if I'm in my building and I'm talking to somebody, it's not a real actual conversation. It's usually just like, a, hey, man, what's going on? What you doing? Yo, that's crazy. What? Now you going to that place? Yo, I used to go there. Me too? Nah, I can't believe you used to do that. 
So you know that place over there on Third Avenue? Yeah. You oh you going there too? Now I can do this all day long. I can have this conversation with myself with a fake person all day long because it's the same responses over and over again. Because people are it's weird. People are talking to you because they feel like they should, even though they want to, but you don't they don't have the time to do it. So it's like they call it the elevator uh I guess talk or small talk. It's like I'm in I'm going somewhere, but I saw you, but I don't want to just give you a head nod and walk off cuz then I think that you might think that I'm rude for doing that. But I know that if I talk to you, I'm going to be late to where I'm going. So we have this like quick small talk where we both talk really fast and try to get our point across really quickly and then try to have a very respectful exit without being too rude and this dynamic of this conversation annoys me. So I just I can do it because I, I understand the social norms of it, but it's annoying. So that's why I come on here. You'll hear more about my actual life. You'll hear more about how I actually think and and uh, process the world because we can actually have a conversation. There are certain times where it have, has happened where I can sit down with somebody and we can actually talk about like anything, have a conversation about stuff, but it's very rare that it happens. So I figured the podcast would be the best place for that. And one thing, one of my favorite topics is power. And one one way that power, um, or one one important aspect of power is how it affects relationships between boyfriend and girlfriend, right? And power is intermingled with toxic relationships. Oh, excuse me. So this is this is going to be deep, all right? So I want you guys to get your popcorn. You want to tune in. This is going to be some information that I think people should know, right? So I used to study pickup art, right? How to pick up women and I used to run game and not like any game that you probably think it is. It's not a game that I was running because if you know that it's game, then it's not game because true game is no game at all, right? Shout out to Dante Nero for that line, right? I don't know if he got where he got it from, but you know, whatever. But that's true game. True game is when you don't know I'm running game. And anything that you think is a cliche of running game is not what actual game is. Game is being exactly what you need me to be, right? That is, that's game, right? So if I can be what you need me to be, you'll give me some pussy, right? And that's the the first basis of it, right? Now, depending on who you are, what they take what you need for whatever, you know, the scenario with. Maybe you need a guy who wants to fuck you really well or maybe you need a guy who wants to spend money on you maybe you need a guy who wants to hug you and lay in the bed with you maybe you need a guy who wants to talk to you and you know encourage you for things like that whatever it might be you may want those things and good game is a guy knowing how to be those things for you right now in the beginning of running game i had to stretch my limits to find out what it how true was game really right now what i learned was that game is the this is what I, this is my summary of how the game works and that's picking up women the more power i can take away from the girl the easier it will be for me to have sex right now that's a very broad statement and i'm going to explain exactly how that works power is in every aspect of life right the more power i can show her that i am and the more power the more power i can take from her the more that she'll want to be with me and have sex with me, right? So two things will happen. One is what they say about the innate instinct of women who want to have sex with powerful men, right? So a couple of examples of how a man can show power, right? 
Now, I'm gonna explain to you the power part and then I'll link it to exactly how it relates to or what we do in the real world that girls like, right? If I have control over, if I, if I drive a car, right? Girls like guys who drive cars, right? For the most part, that's what they think. A lot of girls like guys who drive cars. I don't really know a girl who doesn't like a guy who drives a car. They may not care if you don't have a car, but if you do have a car, and they see you driving the car, especially if you have your nice strong forearm. You know me, I'm kind of lean. So if I put my arm on the, on the wheel, you're going to see my veins glistening in the sun from the, this, the mirror, right? And, you know, I got this nice brown melanin skin. So you're going to be like, damn, like, I see how he look driving that car with one hand. Like that shit looks fire, right? Now, my theory is this. Still good? My theory is this, right? The One of the big reasons why girls like guys who drive cars is because they have power over a very large object, right? They have the ability to move this car the way they want it to move by, the, by with, with one hand. And if you can drive with one hand, it's honestly probably the sexiest thing you could do as a guy in a car. Like one hand on a steering wheel, one hand on her side. Honestly, I think if you can do stick shit, that's probably even sexier than girls too because it shows how much you have even more power over a car because you're able to drive with one hand and other hand you gripping that 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 stick shift and you're able to move back and forth right see Melissa getting turned on she's like oh shit she's like oh my god a stick shift well you could drive a stick shift i can't drive one though but i know girls probably like that because they like to see like imagine you're in the car driving right you got one hand on the steering wheel and the other one the car makes a sound and you mm, mm, and you, you're able to move it when it needs to be moved it turns girls on now the reason why is because you're showing the power that you have over that car right that makes girls wet that's one thing another thing is i learned this through through test and i'll explain that in a second well being on time right being on time is very sexy to women right why is it sexy to women to be on time but that's it two hours i was like god damn why is it on time why yeah why is it important to be on time for women it can it shows you have control over time and over your life for you to be on time means you have to be able to control a lot of other things going around in the world. So for you to be on time, you have to be able to know when the trains are leaving. You have to be able to get up and get dressed and be ready on time. You have to be able to have your life planned out well enough for you to be on time. You have control and power over your life enough so that you can choose when and where to be at what time based off whatever time that you decide to be there. Girls like that. Why is that? Because it's powerful. It's like, wow, he's able to just be here on time at 3.30 with all the different variables that could happen. There could be traffic. The train could not work. He could have lost his toothbrush. He could have woke up late, but he's here on time. That's a very powerful thing to do to be somewhere on time, right? That's two. The third thing is going outside when it's raining, right? It's the small thing too. Now, I learned this because one time I, when I was a girl and she was testing me by pretty much it's called a shit test. You can look it up. I'll put it, maybe I'll put it like a little description right here what a shit test is. And she shit tested me by making a joke about why didn't I know it was going to be this hot outside or something like that. Like, why didn't you tell me it was going to be this hot, right? Now, and I'm supposed to be able to have power. If I can't control the sun, I should be able to control how I react to the sun. So you aren't supposed to be saying things like, oh, it's too hot or it's too cold or oh my god it's raining because if you are a man you have power over these type of things now an example of how power over weather would be you know it's supposed to rain today so you have an umbrella so when it rains boom you have an umbrella if it's cold you have gloves so your hands aren't in your pocket if it's hot outside you have the clothes to wear for it to be so you just be comfortable outside so you're not outside complaining about damn it's mad hot outside i got on a jacket a sweater i got on three shirts i got on a hat and i got on the 
if you if you have the power over yourself, then you'll be able to be a person that looks at the weather to tell, okay, what how is it how is it gonna feel outside today? What should I wear outside today? How should I dress outside today? What accessories should I bring? Should I bring an umbrella? Should I bring a water bottle? Because imagine you imagine this, right? Let me give you an example of a guy. Right? Let me give you just some water before I do this example. Because I know girls gonna get real wet when I say this. So mm-hmm. I think I'm watching it get mad wet, right? Let's see gonna get wet first. Watch. So boom. Imagine this, right? You go outside. Right? See, she already hear my voice. She's like, oh my god. You go outside, right? And it's hot. And you you just like, damn, it's so hot. I ain't know it's gonna be this hot. And you know what your man does? Gives you a water bottle. Right? He's like, listen, I got you. It's already cool. You're like, what the fuck? How you even know? How, why he had a water bottle? And it's cool? How you do that shit, right? We're like, oh my God. Right? Now, that's cute. That's a nice little one one thing real quick, right? Now, he's just like, oh my God. It's, it's hot. He's like, oh, listen. I got you an umbrella, too, just in case. And I'm going to hold it for you because I know it was going to be hot today. We was going to be on the beach in the sun. And I want to make sure that you wouldn't get burnt out here in the sun. Listen, I got you. I got the water for you and I got the umbrella. She's like, oh my God, you... How you not gonna need umbrellas? Because I know you. I know that you want an umbrella. I know how you are. See? Ah. See? <laughs> you see? <laughs> I know how you are when it gets hot outside. So I brought an umbrella, right? And then, y'all went to the beach this day, right? You leave the beach. You know why you leave the beach? Because it's raining. You have an umbrella. Everybody else around you is running because it's, it's raining outside, but not you. Y'all don't have to run because you have an umbrella. Because your man knew to bring you an umbrella. Not only did you bring you an umbrella, he knew it might rain. So you know what else he got you? He had your rain boots, just in case it rained, because he didn't want your feet to get wet while you're outside. Now, what kind of man would this be? Can you imagine this being some ancient dude that is bringing water to the beach because he knows you might need it and be thirsty? You don't have to walk over to the vending machine to get it. He already got it in the back, and it's cool. He got an umbrella for you. He brought the blanket for you to lay on the sand. At the end of the day, you're sitting there, and you're like, what kind of man is this? How is it? How is he so in charge of everything? How is he just playing with the hair right now? See, she's like, oh my God. She's like, I just, see, I mean, you know, I, I see the corner of my eye. I just see it. But she's like, oof. Said, Listen, I, I know how the game works, okay? If I want to run the game, I run the game. I run the game through the camera. That's how good I am at this shit, right? So, at the end of the day, right, you have you with a guy. And this is, the, this is why having a car is important also. Because let's say you're at the beach and it starts raining. Now, girls don't mind getting in on a, on a, on a bus, right, to go back home. But you have the umbrella to walk her. You're not running in the rain. You have a big umbrella too. Because all of this stuff matters. You get an umbrella that's big enough for both of y'all. You hold the umbrella. She's still dry under the umbrella. Everybody else around her is running. And you know what y'all going to? Y'all are laughing. She feels so comfortable that she's laughing in the rain with you as you guys walk to the car that you have. She's not getting on a dirty bus. She's in the car. She could change her her shirt, her pants. Y'all can laugh in the car. She don't have no worries. She's in the car happy because she had the water bottle. She had the umbrella when it was sunny. She had the umbrella when it rained. Her feet didn't get wet. And you know what you do after that? You take her out and you make some jokes in the car. And then you know what you do after that? You put your left arm on the steering wheel and you put your right arm on that stick shift. And you make sure that you control that car. You have power over that car. When you speed off from that parking lot, her pussy gonna get wet. When you get home, you gonna be fucking shit out of her, okay? This is how the game works. The more things you have power over, the better and easier it is for you to get pussy. Now, that's one way for you to get pussy. That's one way, right? Now, the other way, and this is why, this is about toxic relationships, right? So, 
toxic relationships are probably the easiest ways to get pussy, right? Because a toxic girl wants to have power over you, right? She's like, how can I inflict my power onto you because I feel so powerless in my life that I want to control you, right? So it's pretty much like this. I'll give an example of how this works. You have a line that goes from one to 15, right? It's like one of those number lines when you were in grade school, right? So if the girl is trying to have power over you, it'll look something like this, right? She is trying to use everything she can to have power over you. Now, if a guy knows how to run game, then he can use that to his advantage because she's going to be trying to do little corny things like, I can't come see you today because it's raining outside, right? Now, what a real man who knows game will say something like, if he really wants to see the girl, he'll say, you know what, listen, clearly, I can tell that you're not into this. No, I wouldn't even say that because that's not something I would use. I would say that, uh, what would I say about running game? Uh, I wouldn't say that either. Hmm. Okay, so I would say. If a girl said, and this, you gotta catch it real quick, so here we go. I'm gonna give you another little segment of how the game will be run, right? So girls wanna test you to see if you that dude or not, right? So they'll do little shit like, you guys make plans to go hang out, right and she'll be like uh you call her see if she's ready you go hey you know i'm about to be over there at seven o'clock she goes ah once i hear ah i'm like you know what you seem unsure we'll try another day right because that sound is enough to let me know that she's about to do some bullshit right she's about to if i if i don't check that sound immediately it's gonna be uh, I forgot. Can we reschedule? Can we try another time? Oh my! It's seven. I thought you. I thought you meant nine. I met. I made plans with my friend for seven. I didn't even know. I. Can, oh my god! I'm so sorry. I. I keep doing this, right? So before we get to all those bullshit ass lines, I immediately once I hear, uh, I go. You know what? You seem unsure about this. We'll try again another day, right? Now, in the game, it's called a takeaway. So I take away the power that she would have to tell me that she's not going to see me that day, right? So what she does is to get that power back and she goes, wait, no, I was joking. I mean, I could, I could cancel those. I could cancel. I could cancel. No way. I, got, I could cancel it, right? That's what she'll do because she feels like the power was taken away from her and she wants it back, right? So she'll keep doing things like that to get the power back as long as you know that she's doing these things. But if you give her the power, right, then you'll lose. Now, this is how you would give her the power in a situation like that. If she said, oh, I just can't, I was, I thought I was gonna, and I, whatever she comes up with, right? You go, oh, don't worry, whatever day you wanna, I can hear, I can hear the girl's pussy right now getting dried up, I hear it. Oh, don't worry, I'ma I'm just come whenever you wanna see me, I can just come, oh, this is the guy, by the way. I can just come see you whenever you wanna come see, like, whatever, I come at 7, you guys, you go to your friends at 9, I come at 10.30, no, alright, how about this, how about this, when you get off of work from your friends, and, and then, uh, I'll, I'll call you at night, and then I'll come see you in the morning, and the girls will be like, ah, uh, nah, mm -mm, I'm okay, right, that's how you lose the power, so, what will happen is, this is about toxic relationships. 
because at the end of the day, a girl who is also mature will not forget that she has plans like that, right? And she will actually, if something does come up, she'll say, listen, it won't be in that weird-ass voice that they do, uh-huh, uh It will just be, listen, I actually made plans, I forgot, and I really want to see you. Can we reschedule this for tomorrow at this time and this place and this thing, right? Boom, that's how an adult handles it. Children and toxic girls or men and also don't handle like that. They want to. They want to. It makes. They make it an emotional war. They want to make you feel bad about whatever it is that they're doing or that you're doing, right? So, with toxic girls, the way you get pussy is you just keep dangling the power in front of them, right? So they decide. Maybe you get to the point. This is where the the ten to fifteen thing is, right? They figure, okay, if I could use my my looks to get him and make him do what I want, then that means that I have power over him, right? And when you check that and you go, listen, I don't care about that or you look ugly. When you say something like that, now they realize that their power is not in their looks. They go, damn, I, my looks can't get him to do what I want. Okay, maybe if I cook for him. And then you go, yo, this food ain't even that good. They're like, damn, that shit didn't work either. Okay, if I buy him stuff. They go, okay. And you buy him something, he's like, that shit kind of trash. She's like, damn, that shit didn't work either. I don't know what else can I do. Like, he's not, he's not swooning, swooning over me like the other guy. I don't know what I could do else. Maybe if I... If I suck his dick and give him some pussy, I think that will make him do what I want, right? And this is how girls get trapped. This is how, when I was running a game, how girls get fucked up. Because they're trying to control me. And they will use their pussy to attempt to control me. But at the end of the day, all I want is some pussy. So once I fuck, they may think, cause let's say I come fast, right? Come I'm battling with saying that because I feel like I don't know if I came fast, but I probably did. I'm pretty sure I did. I definitely have come fast a lot before in my life, so I'm going to say yeah. But let's say I'm talking to a girl, right? And I and I come fast. Ah. Mm. Here's a better example. Let's say I'm talking to a girl and I don't fuck her the way that... To let her know I'm still in, I'm still in charge. That's a better way of putting it. And under that category would be coming fast. So that's one of the things you can do to not fuck a girl the right way. So... Let's say we, she tries to use pussy to control me. She's like, maybe if I give him some pussy, he'll be on my he'll be on my neck. Like, oh, he really wants me. He like he gonna be thirsty for me, right? So, if I if I fuck her the right way, she's gonna be all fucked up now. Cause she's like, oh my god, even in that bedroom, has power over me. I don't know how to I don't know how to control him. I don't know what to do. I I can't figure it out. I cook for him. I clean for him. I buy him stuff. I give him pussy, and he still does not do what I want him to do. This is not working. Now, the problem with this is you should not be trying to make anybody do anything. When you have sex with someone, it should be because you want to have sex with them, not because you want them to do things for you. And that's what a toxic relationship is. A toxic relationship is when you are not 50-50. It should be you guys should both meet in the middle right here, right? It shouldn't be 60-40 or 70-30. It shouldn't be that, that far of extreme, right? The reason for that is because once you have that extreme, one person becomes too dependent on the other person, right? And that can breed a toxic relationship. Here's why. I'm just some water because I feel like this is about to come with some heat. Okay. Is that computer still on? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um so yeah I want six minutes. I think we got it's pretty good. What does that say? What does that say, Melissa? 
was stopped recording. Is it audio engine cannot process stuff in time? I don't know. Uh, so that was something that we just learned. I don't know what happened, but I don't think we've been recording for like 40 minutes on the audio. Uh, and I feel like Content Watch is one of my best podcasts. I feel like my performance was very good on this podcast. I mean, this this sounds this sound uh yeah oh jesus my chest mm. bruh can't catch a break can't catch a fucking break why did i not see that Well, that kind of sucked uh, the wind out of me. I was definitely, I felt like I was in a flow state. And I have to figure out a way to get back into that. So basically what happened was that the... I guess the mic wasn't on. Well, it wasn't working after about for the last 40 minutes or so. Um, That's the first time that's happened. Something about it not recording fast enough. I've never seen that. Um, So, yeah. This this is my issue with things like this, right? It's like, hmm, it's just, it's annoying that it happened. Um, I know it's a part of the game, so it's gonna happen. Like it's just something that things go wrong. Um, and I could find ways to say it's your fault. Like I'm pretty sure I wanted to find some, I could come up with some, but it's like I feel like I should because I know that I should still be on top of these type of things. So if I'm not, then there's still room for growth for me. Um, cause then it, but it's just exhausting to like try not to do everything. 
So then it's just like, but it's like, do you really want this? Are you willing to do everything by yourself? Do you want it that badly? Um, so that's just kind of where my brain is at. Cause I'm like, I, I don't, I don't really think it was your fault. Like I don't really blame you for it. Um, I don't think you were doing anything. What's the word like? I think you were doing your job, but you weren't doing more than your job. And I think that's the only problem. Um, as it's, I think you have to be more proactive in the stuff or more engaged in it and the things that are going on. Um, but I guess I don't, it's, it's just, it's just, I guess I'm not even, I don't think it's your fault. I don't blame you for it. It's just annoying that it happened. Um, it's, it's just like, damn, some good content. That shit was fire. That shit was fire. So, um, um, let me see. So, toxic relationships. This way, uh, uh, no, no, I, I can just, I'll figure it out. I'll come up with something. Um, it's just like, damn, fucking, I didn't know that was a thing that could happen. And it's just like, fuck. That's never happened out of any podcast I've ever done. That's never happened. I don't even know what that, like, what could have caused that. I don't, I don't, I, have, I don't even know what that means. Is that a space thing? Like, what is... Either way, I'll figure it out later. Uh, okay, so toxic toxic relationships. Um, how to spot them, right? So pretty much, the last thing I was saying was, when it comes to spotting a toxic relationship, when you have something that's too much on one side and not 50-50, that's what makes it to- that is what makes it toxic. Now, people normally people will think that a toxic relationship a toxic people will think that a toxic relationship has to be where somebody is being overbearing right where somebody is saying you have to do this you have to do that if you don't do this i'm gonna leave you you ain't shit that's what people think a toxic relationship is right and that's one half of it that's uh a form of insecurity and somebody wants to control people through overt or I guess bearish means, right? But what people tend to forget that there's two sides to the coin. And if you study seduction, all the people that seduce and things like that, they aren't all the same. The same thing comes with toxic people. Toxic people can also be people that ask you for things all the time, that make you overextend yourself by using their emotion, by guilting you, right? So they will say like, um, hey, tell me I look pretty, right? So now when, or they'll tell, they'll make you feel like you have to tell them that they look pretty. And if you don't, if they, if you don't tell them that they look pretty, you're wrong, right? And at the end of the day, it is not your job to make somebody else feel or look pretty. And people in general or in society don't take that into account. People want to put 
the work on somebody else. So they feel like, well, if somebody else tells me that I look pretty all the time, then I mean that I'm pretty. But if you don't, you should actually be going out to make yourself feel beautiful, make yourself feel phenomenal, make yourself feel amazing, right? That way you don't have to have, when somebody does come and tell you these things, you're like, oh, I thank you. I appreciate that because you already knew that it was a thing, right? So like I said, you have a situation where it should be 50-50 or as close to it as possible, right? So you shouldn't be overextending yourself by trying to make somebody make somebody feel good that's not your job your job is to make somebody else feel good your job is to make sure that you feel good and that's pretty much it like that's your job is not depend you don't your emotions and your feelings should not be dependent on somebody else so what will happen is and this is why relationships used to exhaust me a lot is because when if if i have to do all of that stuff and all of that work then it makes me, it, it exhausts me because I'm I'm worrying about uh, if you feel like you're pretty, if you feel like you're smart. I'm worrying about uh, what your mom did. I'm trying I'm I'm trying to fix all of my problems and your problems, and that's what I believe cause something to be toxic because I have to overextend, and that's why it becomes exhausting, right? And um. And like I said, that can happen because somebody who's insecure will need you to validate them. So that 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 meter of 50-50, it starts to become, instead of being 50-50 like this, it starts to be like 70-30, I'm doing the work, and then 80-20, I'm doing the validation to where it's almost, I have to do everything for that person to make them feel like, I guess they're valuable, make them feel like they're important. And they feel like they're beautiful, smart, and pretty, right? And that those are signs of toxic relationships. It's not just about I you gonna you gonna go outside and you gonna do this for me. You gonna go outside. You gonna do that for me. It's not it's not about those things. That's not only types of toxic relationships that they have, right? So you have to be able to spot those also. One of the ways to be able to tell that one of the okay, how can I put this? When being in a toxic relationship feels like anxiety, right? Now, a way to spot anxiety or to know when you're anxious about something is when you're trying to decide between two different things. This motion right here of going like this is how I view anxiety, right? So uh, two days ago in a train, an example of how anxiety would work. This is like the physical version of anxiety. I was on the train and I don't know why. For whatever reason, I don't know why I did this. I was on the LIRR and... I put my bike in the handicap section, which I always do, because um, it's a big enough space for it. That's the only place I can put my bike. And instead of sitting around the bike in that car, I went to the next car to sit in the car, right? So I can still see my bike from the other car. But while I'm in the other car, I kept looking up to see if my bike was there, if it was stolen, if it fell, if somebody moved it, right? Now that's the physical form of anxiety. If I'm I'm on my phone, maybe I'm listening to music or I'm texting somebody, and I keep looking up to go. Is my bike there? Is my bike there? Okay, did it fall? Did somebody take it? Is it there? That's anxiety. If I had my bike right next to me, that thought wouldn't even cross my mind, right? So if you're in a relationship with somebody and you have to keep having that feeling of doing this and doing this and, and wondering of what's happening and feel like you're kind of walking, like even on eggshells, you're kind of like, okay, I don't want to step on this eggshell. I don't want to step on that one. I don't want to mess anything up. 
that's a form of that's how you can spot a toxic relationship that's when that's how you know if you start to feel like that you're probably in a toxic relationship right so one of the problems that people have is they can't identify anxiety they don't know what it feels like right so they just think that it's normal so a way to to identify anxiety is to meditate right so when you meditate you actually know what peace feels like and once you know what peace feels like you can then identify what peace does not feel like and when you don't feel peace that's how you know that you're probably anxious or something is going wrong so when you meditate and you actually practice sitting still and know what your body feels like to be still then whenever you get that jittery feeling of doing like this or going back and forth or walking on eggshells then you can go oh wait Something is making me feel anxious. Something is making me feel sad, depressed, or angry. For me, personally, like I said, anxiety to me feels like looking back and forth, trying like trying to step on trying to step on eggs and not break them. Like that's kind of how anxiety feels. Anger for me feels like uh, my heart or my in this area gets really hot. I feel it like it's getting like burning or whatever, right? Um, fear for me kind of is somewhere in my stomach area where it kind of gets maybe tight probably and excitement might be somewhere closer like over in this area maybe like it gets kind of fast type of situation right but you don't you won't know how you feel under these different circumstances if you don't know what it feels like to be in the middle so if your whole life you're anxious or you're scared you're gonna have that one feeling so to you you may think that that's that's your middle you may think oh if i'm um anxious or scared all the time that, that state of being is how I'm supposed to be because that's how I always feel because you've never meditated. You don't know what it feels like to just be like a calm sea of water or not a sea, but maybe a calm pond of water where it's just nothing is happening. It's just it's it's just perfectly fine. And if you can imagine how that would look, you would say, okay, imagine you have a pond of water and it's, nothing is on it. It's just sitting there. And then you go and you drop a penny on it or something. You'll see the ripples in it and you know exactly where the penny fell, right? Then you can go and identify what is causing this anxiety, what is causing this fear, what is causing this anger. You know where in the pond that is based off of the penny that fell in the water. You can see it moving, right? But if you have the ocean and it's a, a, a storm or something and you throw a penny in the ocean, you can't tell where the what the penny is doing what kind of feeling that is because you have so much toxic stuff going on throughout your whole life when you look around you're in you're in pretty much a tsunami so you can't identify what's causing what is working because for the majority of your life the majority of your life you're already in that state of a tsunami so if you're if you're calm though it's a lot easier to understand identify what's happening and then you can fix that you can go oh I know that that penny fell on, you know, I'm going to just use quadrants, quadrant four of the pond. Let's go over there and I figure out what's happening over there in quadrant four. If I have an ocean and it's a tsunami and not even, let's bring it to a smaller level. If I have a pond and people are throwing pennies in all over the place and then I'm supposed to figure out what's happening. It's a lot harder to identify what calm feels like if every day it's just doing this. The, 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 the ripples are going through the water all day. It's very hard to figure that out. And that's how you can, that's the first step to identifying being in a toxic relationship, right? Now, meditation uh, for, I don't really meditate as much or not what people think it is where you're like sitting down by yourself or whatever, but I know what being calm feels like. So to practice meditation, it's the act of being still. It's practicing sitting down and only thinking about breathing. 
Don't think about nothing else. Don't think about where I'm going tomorrow. Don't think about anything else at all. Just think about breathing. That's the only thing you think about. Think about holding your breath, inhaling, right? Inhaling through your, your nose. Let me see. No, inhale through your mouth. Inhaling through your mouth, right? Hold it for like seven seconds to 11 seconds, right? And then breathe it out. Inhale through your nose. Inhale through your nose. And then out through your mouth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Inhale through your nose. Hold it for seven seconds to 11 seconds. And then exhale through your mouth, right? And that's all you're focusing on. You don't focus on nothing else other than that. That is the only thing your brain should be thinking about is focusing on that thing, right? So then once you do that, then you start to realize, okay, when you're finished, when, what, or you think about what did I feel during that? What, how did I feel calm? What was calm? What did calm feel like when I didn't think about nothing else that caused me anxiety or fear or anger? I only thought about that thing. I was present in that moment. What did that feel like? And then when you identify that, then you'll be able to know when somebody drops a penny in your pond and you can go something about that action that you just did made me feel like you dropped a penny in my pond. I don't know what it is about it. I don't know if that was anger or I don't know if it was excitement. I don't know if it was nervousness or anxiety or fear, but something that you just did dropped that penny in my pond and I feel that. What is why what is that hap- what is happening? Now, you want to try and identify that so that you can then fix that problem. Once you figure out what's happening, then you can go, "Okay, I know what's causing this. I can figure that out and I can assess it so it doesn't happen again." Or I can identify and be able to nip it in the bud very quickly. And that's how you can identify a toxic relationship, right? The more that you feel that, the, the more toxic it probably is. But again, you won't know it's a, it's a toxic relationship until you actually meditate and figure out what it feels like to be calm. Because then you'll be, let's say you're sitting in the house calm, right? And you're like, wow, I feel really good, right? You're like, oh, wow, I feel like amazing. And then boom, that person comes in the house and you're like, your whole energy, everything changes. Like you just, your, 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 everything is, you don't feel the same. You feel like, oh my goodness, ah, ah, you feel like that. You should figure out why that is. There's a, there's a reason for that. I feel like when you have a, when I feel like you have a healthy relationship, it doesn't feel like electricity moving around. It feels like, a, like I said earlier, like more like water, just like a flow of water just moves back and forth. Um, and, it was, you know, it's like a Jet Li quote, I think it is, or I think it's Jet Li, where he says to be like water. Like, you know, the water takes a shape of whatever it's in. If it's in a circular bottle, if it's in a square bottle, or if it's in a triangular bottle, that's what it is. So if you have all these bottles connected to each other, and you put it in one of the shapes, right, and it moves, it, it just goes and flows into whatever it's in. It goes to the next one and flows to whatever it's in. And I, to me... It, that's what calm feels like. It's not shaking all the bottles around and shaking them up and throwing them around over the, all over the place. That's what anxiety and toxicity feels like. And I feel like you have to be able to understand and identify that thing. One thing I try to work on for me personally is I try not to tell people what to do, right? And when I say that, it's it's not just a blatant, you do this, you better do this, you better do that. Because I feel like that's the overt version of it. But even small things, I'm working on just being like, can you pass me that? Because at the end of the day, if I tell some, if I say, yo, pass me that water, I, that's, it's, again, this is an extreme level of it, but that's a form of toxicity. Because at the end of the day, I'm telling you to do something for me, right? Now, you're going to feel like you have to do that. Now, if you say no to me, I'm probably going to get upset. A reason why people get upset, for, for as far as I know, it's a personal problem all the time. 
right? If I say pass me that water and you say no, that's because I try to enforce my power on you by telling you to pass me that bottle and you use your power to say no to me. But I felt like I was entitled to that water bottle, right? So that's why I'm going to get upset. So let me drink some water. So if you ask somebody, hey, can you pass me that, right, then they can say yes or they can say no. If you, But if you ask them the question with the entitlement of thinking that they have to pass it to you, it's the same thing as saying pass me that. And you can tell the difference because of how you feel with their response. If you say, hey, can you pass me that, and they're like, no, and you get upset, that's because you felt like they had to pass you that thing. Not because you were ask, actually asking them, hey, can you pass that to me? You weren't, you weren't asking like that. You are pretty much saying, yo, can you pass me that? That's the, it's, a, it's a difference in feeling. And you can tell that depending on how you feel when you ask for the, the bottle or the remote or the controller, right? And these are, these are identifiers on how to figure out how to be less toxic. And these, like I said, you just do these small things throughout the day. Throughout the day, just go and see how many times somebody says, do this for me or do that for me and don't ask. They just say things. They just tell you to do things for them, right? And then ask yourself, how many times do you go throughout the day and tell somebody to do something for you and do something for me? And this is a, a general, a large problem that I feel like it's, it's, it's very hard to fix. And one of the problems of it is that once I ask somebody for something who is a toxic person, they feel like now they have power over me because I asked for something, right? Because a powerful person is somebody that demands things. Give me that water bottle. I'm more powerful than you. Go get that egg for me. Go get that job for me. Go do that. Go do this. That's how they, that's what a powerful person is perceived to be, somebody that makes demands, right? So if you ask for something, you're pretty much, people, people interpret that as being powerless. People might feel like, why are you asking? Like, that's weird. Like, don't ask, even though it's been conditioned to do so, right? So that's one side of it, right? And the other side of it is that once somebody tells me to do something like, yo, do that for me, and you say no, they get offended because they feel like now you're being rude, even though you have not, and remember, 50-50, you have not encroached on their space. You have said, all you said was no. They came to your house and said to you, give me your gold, and you was like, no. You didn't do anything wrong by that. If somebody calls your phone and you don't answer, you have no obligation to answer the phone. If somebody's on the phone with you for too long and you want to get off, you can get off the phone. Honestly, if you want to, you can hang up the phone and not say bye. If you want to do that, you don't. there's no end reason for you to have to say bye if you want to get off the phone. Somebody might call it rude or what, but at the end of the day, it's within your power to do that because you're not doing anything to them. You're just hanging up the phone. Now, you know, I wouldn't advise that because people don't understand that or whatever. It's courteous to say, yo, I'm getting off the phone. But what you'll see is the other person will then encroach on your time and be like, yo, come on, just stay on the phone for five more minutes, 10 more minutes, 20 more minutes. Come on, listen, you really got to go. Those are signs of somebody being toxic. If you say you got to go, then you got to go. They should be like, I bet I got you. I'll talk to you later. But it's little things like that. And you'll see that people do little things like that over and over and over again. And then they wonder why they are in the situation that they are in. It's because they either, one, feel like... And again, anybody that chases power like that is an insecure person. Whether you're chasing it through demanding something from somebody or you're chasing power by making somebody 
to be uh if the other version which would be making somebody feel like they control you making them giving them the giving them the uh what's the i'm looking for the perception that they control you and or that they validate you or you're making you're actually bringing them onto your side you're making yourself dependent on them but the reason why that's toxic is because they're now exhausted by that you're sucking all the energy from them you're not giving anything to them and like i said these are different ways to figure out if you're being toxic there's different there's a lot of other things that come up but i felt like for boyfriends and girlfriends these are the most important things to realize because a lot of people don't recognize these things and they have the same problems over and over again and don't know why they're having them and i think that when somebody gets into relation into a relationship as much as it's it's very and it's very hard to have a relationship today when both people are uh independent by themselves right and i may maybe not even so more so at our age because i'm 26 now which i feel like i'm 23 but i'm 26 um and it is harder now to have a relationship where both people are independent because people don't have money and i think money makes life a lot easier for both people to be in a relationship because there isn't that dependent factor on the other person it's literally just you have what you have i have what i have and i don't feel like i have to compromise on what i have to please you because i don't have the money to support myself that can breed a toxic relationship because one person will feel insecure and one person when a person feels insecure it starts to um what's the word i'm looking for it starts to uh i don't say increase maybe multiply something something like that into other areas of that person's life and it just keeps growing and growing and growing until the person feels like they are stable stable is not toxic a stable person is not a toxic person a stable person is a flow of water you're stable you're you're in the middle you're not going anywhere that is what it is that is what you are but an unstable person which is a toxic person is on eggshells it is a pond that have people jumping in and out the pond it's a water that's moving back and forth um that's what stable that's what stable is and that's what a healthy relationship a health a healthy relationship looks like when both people are stable but we as a generation or our age most people they see it and they want they feel like they should have that too they want to have a boyfriend they want to have a girlfriend they want to have kids they want to have all these different things even though they did not put the work into be able to afford a, a healthy relationship to be able to afford a nice apartment to be able to afford uh maybe a car or so forth whatever the case might be people do all of these things and they wonder why when they get them things are all fucked up it's because you have you did not put in the work to be able to have those type of situations um and we feel like we should be entitled to it because why not why 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 should i have to self-impose these restrictions of who i when i should date and who i shouldn't date because I don't have any money. I want to have a kid. Why can't I have a kid? Well, you didn't deserve to have a kid. You didn't put no money in. You didn't put the work in. You should not have a kid. I don't. I don't think everybody should have kids. I feel like they should. A lot of people are not qualified for kids and shouldn't have kids. And money is a very important factor in that too. Um, so yeah, uh, like I said earlier, one of the things that make that you can tell somebody is toxic is because when they feel bad, they want sex, right? That the I don't think that. People should have sex if people are not horny. Like, I feel like both people should be horny if you're going to have sex. I think that 
when sex happens because somebody feels bad, that 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 breeds a toxic environment because sex has now been attached to making somebody being being a drug. It's been attached to being a drug to make you feel better when you're depressed or not feeling well, right? As opposed to it being like exercise or as opposed to it being uh, a something healthy for you. It's like, what do you do when you feel good? That's what you sh- that's what you should do. If you feel good and you want to have sex, that's when you should have sex. I don't think you should have sex when you feel bad, especially if you do something wrong. I don't think that, and this is what I think that girls, maybe, maybe guys do this, probably guys do it too. I'm pretty sure guys do it too, but my experience is with girls. Um, so they will do something wrong or they will do something that they, they will do they will do something that they perceive to be wrong and then they will try to offer sex to solve that not even the problem to make the other person or make themselves feel better and once the sex is done the problem is not solved the problem is still there and that is how you can tell that something is being toxic because they are trying to use the sex to avoid the actual problem they figure if i can have sex with you then you feel better than that or, or you are feel better right now i don't have to worry about that bad thing that i did so if you're having sex when you don't feel good signs are or chances are i believe that can be a sign of something toxic or at least be introspective about it figure out why do i want to have sex right now even though i'm upset because it makes me feel better what am i trying to have sex to avoid i should try and i should figure that thing out first get the happiness from that and then have sex and see if the sex feels different because i believe that when you have sex and you feel bad after the sex you don't feel better you felt better for that moment it's like a dopamine hit you got your drug you got your cocaine for that second and it goes away but you don't get that serotonin release or that feel of accomplishing a goal that you would get if you were actually doing something that was productive um so i feel like you know it's a lot of things that people just i believe get wrong in the world and one of those things that like people that annoys me the most is this this money thing when it comes to Jeff Bezos because it's like, like I don't even I guess I I really think people are not very smart when it comes to this and I'm I'm gonna make it uh, I guess as quick and simple as possible this would be like the Bamboo Project Economics 101 right that's what I'm gonna call this this is gonna be a very short segment for this um, this is how if, if first of all if you think Jeff Bezos has too much money. I don't even. I can't even. I, I'm. I'm explaining to you why you. That's crazy. But I'm. Here we go. Right. All right. So, I have this pillow right here. Right. This pillow right here. It's a pillow. And I'm not. It's not. It's not a metaphor for anything. It's just a pillow. Right. Regular pillow. Right. Now, if I sell this pillow to Melissa and she gives me a dollar for this pillow, this pillow is worth a dollar. Right now, if I sell this pillow and Melissa gives me a trillion dollars, the pillow is worth a trillion dollars. Right. Okay. That is how stocks work. Okay. I cannot go to the store and buy anything with this pillow. Right. The pillow sits here and it's not worth anything. Anything. It's not worth anything until I sell this pillow. Okay, that is how Jeff Bezos money works. Okay, he owns about 10% of Amazon, I think, something like that. That may be 10% of Amazon, which is why his net worth is so high, right? 
the majority of his net worth comes from stocks, okay? People are talking about him being the first trillionaire. I keep seeing it online. People are so fucking retarded when it comes to talking about why Jeff Bezos should give his money away to this person and that person, this person, that person, right? So how the stock thing works. I feel like, I mean, I always forget that everybody does not know these things and they just be saying stuff just because they're not informed about it. But this is how stocks work, right? He has a percentage of the company that he started himself, right? When the company was worth was worth nothing, the 10% he had was worth nothing, right? Um, if he decides that he wants to sell his 10%, he no longer has power in his own company, right? But everybody feels like he should spend the money that he doesn't have of $116 billion in his account. He does not have $116 billion of liquid assets, which is money to go and spend on anything. If he decides to sell off his shares, he's going to lose the power he has in his own company, okay? He won't be able to make the same decisions that he makes now because he will not have the same power if he sells it off. The money that he has is tied directly, for, for the most part, to his stocks, right? Now, if people people be wanting, people want Jeff Bezos to, to give people money, just to give everybody money, right? Now, how long do people want him to do this for? They want him to give who money for what? They want him to give Africans money, breast cancer people money. They want him to give money to the homeless, give money to the people who are hungry in this country, in that state, and they feel like, oh, he's going to be the first trillionaire. Listen, the government, the, the government of the United States of America just gave away $2 trillion, or I don't know, maybe it was two the first time, right? The first stimulus check, okay? All the money they gave us, we already spent it. We already spent a trillion dollars that Jeff Bezos does not have yet. We already spent all of that money already, right? Now, if Jeff Bezos say, you know what? I was on Twitter today and I realized that I'm living my life wrong. I was on Facebook and I saw the post. I got you. I'm going to fix this problem. I am going to sell off all of my shares of my company. So I now own zero shares of my company and I have no power in my company. And now I have all this $116 billion in cash. And by the way, just to let you guys know, the minute that Jeff Bezos sells a bunch of Amazon stock, his net worth will drop because everybody will be like, why is he selling it? I'm selling it too. And the value of the company will drop. I don't know how much. Let's speculate. If Jeff Bezos decide to sell off 8% of 5% of his assets of his of his stock, right? Let's just say that the stock went from $1,000 to $200, right? So the money that he has, the the $100 billion he had before would be worth maybe $20 billion or something like that, right? Maybe maybe even less than that. I don't, I, the math, I'm just throwing numbers around right now, right? The point of what I'm trying to make is that when he starts to sell, because everybody on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter says he has too much money, his money that he's getting off of selling his stocks will decrease. So he wanted to be able to give the money that people think he has away. But let's say he keeps all $116 billion and decide, you know what? I'm going to give it away to everybody else. He does that, right? He, the trillion, the $2 trillion that he doesn't even have, he has, ha he has a tenth 
of what the government gave to the, the all of America, right? And they still need more. So who is he supposed to save with this $115 billion? Who's he going to give it to? He can't save the whole world because clearly we can't even save America with $2 trillion. And we have to add another three on top of that. So we have $5 trillion for America to survive a couple of months. And we can't even survive a couple of months with $5 trillion. But we want Jeff Bezos to take all his money that he has of his company, his stocks, not actual money, and give it to all these people in need. That's what we want. And we feel like, well, it's wrong that he has all this money and people are dying of hunger and people are poor and the wage gap and all the other bullshit. He does not have $100 billion in his bank account. Money for poor people like yourself does not work the same way as money for people. For, for money does not work the same way as it does for people who are rich. Their money is not in a bank account like yours. They don't, all their money is not, hey, let me just go to get my credit card, my debit card, and just swipe my $100 billion and just go spend it. That's not how that works. Their money is tied up in assets. If I buy a house for $100,000, if I get a loan for a house for $40,000, and I buy a house for hundred grand, I now have that net worth tied to my, to my assets, right? The net worth of that house goes to my net worth. Do I have $100,000 in my bank? No. Until I sell the house, I can't do anything but have a house. I can't go out to the, to the mall. I can't go out to the restaurants. I can't go out and get prostitutes. I can't do anything until I sell the house. That's how stocks work, okay? Y'all are fucking stupid. Y'all are retarded. Y'all are fucking dumb. Anybody that thinks that baseball has too much money is an idiot. Y'all are dumb. I don't know what's wrong with y'all. He built a company that that is worth a lot of money, and he owns a lot of the company. That's it. Y'all are fucking retarded. I, I, every time I see that online, I'm like, y'all are the dumbest people I've ever seen. Like, what is wrong with you? How, how is it that y'all even... How... Why would y'all think that he has $100 billion? Yeah. Yeah. Again, people are not financially informed. This is why that happens. I get annoyed when I see stuff like that. So... um. But yeah, that's what I want to end the podcast on today. Um, I guess I, you know, th I think that a uh, little thing that happened. We're gonna see how the audio comes out because we have no idea how the audio is gonna be. Um, I'm excited to see what happens with that. But I think this is a good podcast. How much time is left? Or how much is it? What's it at now? So yeah, that was a good podcast. We're gonna try. Like I said, I think the camera still on for, stayed on for the whole time, so that's good. Uh, and then the mic shut off. So, like I said, if you want to start a business like Amazon, because y'all are fucking dumb, things happen. Bad things happen, and you have to keep going. That's it. Now next week we're gonna figure out why the fuck this happened. Well, not next week. Today we're gonna figure out why the fuck this happened, and we're gonna try to make sure it doesn't happen again next week. And going forward, we're gonna try and fix these problems. Like I said, we got the camera problem down. I think the last video, the camera went out for like half a second. Maybe you saw it. Maybe you didn't. It was like a quarter of a second. It was a quick little black, and then it was gone. You couldn't even notice it. But this time, full camera. We're good. We're going. Audio, little little wonky. Uh, we're going to figure that out. So, uh, so you can catch me and follow me on Instagram and Twitter. Donovan Gray. That's D-O-N-I-V-A-N-G-R-A-N. Y. I'm gonna stop tapping. They probably can't hear me on tapping. D O N I V A N G R A Y. That's Instagram and Twitter. Melissa, you can find her on 
Anita Byrne now? What is it? A-N-E-T-A-B-U-R-N. Okay. Um, and you said to not say the YouTube channel? No, say YouTube channel, but not, not the... On YouTube, you can find us at The Bamboo Project. If you want to find out the food that we eat to stay healthy, if you want to find out the people who are, for women who are out there, Melissa has some very beautiful natural hair. She has hair videos. She has makeup videos. If you want to see uh, the audio, the visual of this podcast, YouTube channel. And it's something else on there too. Um music like i said we're gonna put all the all the shit right here all the all the projects we got music we got clothes we got podcasts we got food it's a lot of stuff so sports fitness, sports, fitness forgot about those so yeah we get we, we get into it we get into it can you scroll down sure i'm done finances that's coming that's coming next year probably so that wraps up episode eight of the bamboo project podcast the Bamboo Project out. So. Mm.